The bigger component is what kind of mentor are you? How do you talk to your audience? Yes. Understanding that also helps you create your message when you're writing. You know, we're this way, we're that way. So we need to talk with this type of language. We need to talk either with authority or we need to talk in a joyful manner or we need to talk in a confident manner or we need to talk in a playful manner. Those things all work together. And so understanding that is, I think, really key to writing good copy and keeping it on message and on brand with who the organization is and understanding what kind of mentor they are. Yes. And where your strengths lie. I am a full on Yoda. If I went Obi-Wan on my clients, they'd get confused. to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the marvelous Seth Erickson. Seth uses storytelling as a way of helping businesses, specifically startups. Stats say 90% of startups fail. Seth's vision is to reduce that disheartening number by at least 10%. He recognizes many startups excel at building their tech and ideas, but fall short when communicating their value to the world. Enter Seth, who teaches these budding business owners one of the most effective communication methods, an art form that has been part of humanity for as long as, well, humans, storytelling. Seth believes these entrepreneurs will find proving their value to investors and the marketplace easier with a technique that he teaches. He has seen firsthand how incorporating storytelling can make a presentation and product stand out and become memorable to investors and customers alike. So if you're searching for a six foot eight globetrotting branding agency owner with a sense of humor to aid in your startup endeavors, look no further than Seth Erickson. Seth, I am so excited to have you here. Question for you. What the heck do small businesses need to focus on this week? Their messaging and more specifically, the story that they tell with their message. The messaging and the story that they tell. Yes. Well, then let's just get this out of the way. How do you, message master and master storyteller, how do you define message and how do you define story? Um, well, I, I just think of your messages, you know, basically the words that you are using to convey your idea, your your product, your service, what you do. So that is part of your message. And, and obviously, messaging can get really specific, but I'm speaking of it in a general way. When I talk about story, speaking specifically to the way that you craft a message, to mm-hmm. tell a story in that message. The artistry of the presentation and and sharing of that message. I love that. I absolutely love that. I think one thing right off the bat that I want to get your impression of if all small businesses this week need to be focusing on the message and and the storytelling they use to convey and impart that message, does everything have to be so dramatic and trauma-y 
in order to be impactful. What I mean by that is I hear from clients of mine all the time that say, I'm not all that interesting. I grew up in a totally normal, do I have to hate my childhood in order to be a successful coach? Does my about page need to bear my soul? Do I need to give all the details of my trauma or do I need to make my life seem more interesting? In terms of people's detail and the detail of their lives and and the deck that they've been dealt to this point. Do we need a certain level of trauma in order to be effective? Is there such a thing as too much? What's your what's your impression for all those people out there that say, well, my only story is a sad story or I don't have any stories to tell? Wow. There were so many things that I could answer in that question. Yeah, I asked you like uh, 75 questions in one. So there you go. Have fun. So one of the most important things about telling your story is what you learned from that story, right? That's kind of the, the end point. That's where you've stolen the fire from the gods and you've given it to mankind, right? Yeah. There, is, there is a transformation that happened through your journey, through your story. What is that piece, right? If, if your story is just, I did this and I went here and I went to school here and I grew up here, mm-hmm. it doesn't appear that you've learned anything and there's nothing interesting about you, right? Like all all heroes have to go through transformation and the transformation at the end, they, they get the golden elixir that, you know, gives life. Right. Right. And so if you're, you know, talking about like a coach and they're like, well, my life's not that interesting. Well, what did, what have you learned from your life? And, and that is the piece that people want you to impart to them, that understanding. Right. The other thing I would say about the emotional aspects is it's important to have emotion, but it doesn't have to be drama right? Emotion can be having empathy, having understanding, uh, being caring, being kind. Any message needs to have some level of emotion because without emotion, human beings just don't act, Mm -mm. right? Like in the book, (laughs) I talk about a guy who had damage to the frontal, like the frontal lobe of his brain. And he basically lost his ability to have any emotions. In doing so, he lost his ability to make decisions. Like he, he literally would just go to the store because he knew he needed to go to the store and he was supposed to get like eggs or milk or something. And he couldn't make a decision on which eggs to buy or or which milk to buy because he didn't feel any way about anything. It was just like, well, there's, there's that thing and there's this thing and well, there's this other thing. And, and that's it. Like he couldn't process any kind of level of emotion. So you need emotion in your messaging, but it doesn't have to be this crazy over the top, you know, emotional stuff. And it shouldn't be like so emotionless that it's bland. And that's where like, you just see corporate speak and you're just like, kill me now, God, like, come yep. take my life. Me down. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just, uh, so, so, so there's a balance there. Um, but yeah, without, without emotion, um, people won't act. And also without understanding what your transformation is, what, what did you learn from this situation? Um, they're less likely to act because they have a problem and you've gone through the, through this journey and you've learned something. That's what they're hiring you for. That's what they're paying you for because you've solved that problem. You've overcome that challenge. You've, you've had that, that life experience and you've, you've dealt with it. And now when you are, um, essentially what you're doing is you're moving yourself into the position of the mentor, Mm -hmm. which is a part of the hero's journey, which is the most popular story pattern of all time. So, so you asked the question, like, you know, what should a bio be? Really, it's talking to whoever you 
are trying to work with. It's mm-hmm. you talking about yourself in a way that is about them. Yes. Right. Like, yeah, it's not really about you. And I love that you brought up the hero's journey and, and our role within it, because one of the main things I teach in my sales training is that we are not the heroes. We are the sages. We are not the Arthurs. We are the Merlins. Right. And so as such, we are not, or you and I were talking about Ted Lasso. We are not Jamie Tart. We are Coach Beard, right? Like we are behind the scenes. We are pulling the strings. We are getting things done with and for that person. But so often when I see people's messaging and I go, ooh, that's really not landing, it's because they are positioning themselves as the hero and therefore villainizing the client or prospect accidentally by saying this idea of like, only I can save you. Only I can show you how to do this. No, no, no. The client, the prospect is the hero of the story. If we tell our own story to their exclusion, it doesn't serve them. Instead, if we talk about that transformation, that problem solving and that journey, that's how we get ahead in sales and that's how we get ahead in life. I absolutely freaking love that because you're right. It's not freaking about you. I have made quite a few enemies in my life because I have stood on many a platform and said, I don't want to hear anybody out there writing a memoir. I don't care about your memoir. Your memoir is boring. Mm -hmm. And I don't say that to be mean, but to your previous point, if I'm reading a book about someone's journey, I would like there to be lessons for me eight and a half times out of 10, unless someone's life is just so balls to the walls wild that I can't even fathom it. (laughs) I would like it to have a moral and lessons or steps that I can follow. So that's what I'm saying to people. Like, don't write a memoir if what you really want is a self-help book and don't call it a self-help book if there isn't actually any help in it and what you just have is a memoir. Do you see that in your work? Do you agree with me? Feel free to disagree if not. Oh, no, I I 100% agree with you. Actually, I've worked with a couple of sales teams and I'm like, you know, don't get on the phone and talk about yourself you know, they're, they're, everybody's always trying to push a product, right? Yeah. Well, there is a problem that the product solved, solves. Yeah. And so, but if you start with the product and you push the product first without really addressing the person's problem, their pain, how they feel about it, what's going on, mm-hmm. right? You are basically, it's, uh, I call it the order of operations, you know, old math <laughs> term, yeah. right? Like yes. this thing needs to happen before that thing can happen. But People go in with them flipped around or they go in with them with talking about themselves or or whatever. And in the book and in the way that we coach our clients, it's always you need to invite that person into that story instead of shouting out that with marketing, instead of going blah, blah, blah. You need to understand where they are. And, and really part of that is just empathy. Like Heck just, yes. just be a human talking to other humans and don't be a robot talking to humans. You yes. know? And remember that you're talking to a human. The reason my signature program is called sales for empaths is that we have this tendency to misfire in empathy and make everything about us when it really truly is about them. And we're trying to show up for them, but it's that point of empathy is supposed to foster you into connection. It's not supposed to trap you. Yeah. But if you don't have other emotions that you want to bring to the forefront, bring that. Absolutely. One of our our recent clients, uh, we were trying to get them to kind of wrap their head around this this concept. And I said, 
how do you know when somebody is an expert? And they said, I don't know. <laughs> like, they were just very honest. And I said, when they can talk about a problem at a deep level, mm-hmm. right? It's not because yeah. they tell you how amazing they are. It's not because they tell you how incredible they are, how many awards they've won, how many accolades they have, how fast their car is, how big their house is, right? Those are byproducts of them being an expert. Mm -hmm. But when they can talk about the problem at a deep level, it makes you automatically go, this person gets it, right? Like they understand what I'm going through. They understand not only the high level stuff of what I'm going through, but they understand like the emotional stuff that's underneath. Yeah. And so like you said, that's that's also where empathy kind of connects together with that concept. <laughs> I love your point that it's not about the width of your knowledge. It's about the depth of your knowledge. It's not, I know a little bit about 97,000 aspects of this. It's that I can go deep, layer by layer. I can pull in the different elements. I can evoke stories and examples. I have all of this kind of well of info. That's what I look for in an expert too. I freaking adore that. Adore that. And and I think sometimes in our messaging, we try so hard to cover a ton of ground because we're trying to cast a big net. So, you know, you put on your website, well, I'm an expert in this, 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 and this. And I used to be an expert in this, 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 and this. And I'm like, okay, hold on. I need one touch point. I need one area that I can latch onto so that I can be encouraged to go deeper. What are some of the issues you see when people try to position themselves as experts? Oh, well, it's, uh, I mean, it's all, it's all the standard pablum uh, that has pretty much just become, um, you know, tropes. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we're, we're cutting edge. We're, we have the best customer service. We, we do this, we do that. And it's, it's all about them. The conversation is completely focused on them. And so, you know, we talk about like, how do you change that conversation? Because you can use storytelling, which I, you know, absolutely believe is powerful, but I've also seen the results of using it effectively, but it's how you do it. Right. Because if you're just sitting there saying, we're so amazing, we're so creative, we're so whatever, you are telling a story, but it's about you. It's not about your customer. And so we often see people who just talk and talk and talk about themselves. And they're not really talking about the customer. They're not really addressing the problem. And quite often, I'll, you know, when people kind of start this journey, I'll, I'll counsel them and say, start with the problem. Yes. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> oh, oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah all day. Yes. Start <laughs> with the problem in storytelling, in marketing, and in selling. Please. Please remember your role as a problem solver and start there. Keep talking, Seth. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I always point out to people that they just, they know, but they forget is like, the only reason you're in business is to solve a problem. Yeah. Nobody's hiring your services if you're not solving a problem. Even if you're like a freaking artist, people have need beautiful art in their homes. You're solving that problem or they need you know, beautiful art to go <laughs> in a museum or whatever, like that is solving a, a problem that, that that buyer has. And so yes, people pay you to solve their problems. They don't pay you to talk about, you know, how amazing you are. And so the message is lost. And, you know, there's other pieces like how you phrase things, right? Like if mm-hmm. you're saying us, us, us all the time, instead of you and your, 
right? Mm-hmm. You and war- your changes, I'm talking about you. Yes. I always give the example. It's like if you go to a party and you meet somebody for the first time and all they do is just talk about how amazing they are and Ugh. what do you want to do? Everybody's like, oh, I need to go get a drink. <laughs> oh, know? I'm going to go to the bathroom for the 19th time in a 10 minute conversation. Wee! Yeah. But if that person goes, you know, I'm so-and-so and they ask you basic stuff like, what do you do? Oh, I do this. Oh, do you like that job? Well, actually, here's how I feel about it. Wow, that's yes. really interesting. I, there's a story that relates to this. There's a guy that I was friends with that he was a race car driver for BMW. And I'm like, I don't know anything about race car driving, right? But it sounds cool, right? I'm like, you get paid to drive cars really fast. Right? <laughs> that sounds amazing. So I go up and talk to him and you'd think a race car driver would have like this big over the top personality. You know, he's a race car driver. He's like a rock star with, but with a car guy was totally down to earth, totally chill. And so I thought, you know, just asking about race car driving would get him going. And he, and he just was like, yeah, I, I, I race for BMW. It's like, uh-huh. okay. So I'm like sitting there and I'm going, trying to figure out how to connect with him. I'm like, man, that must require a ton of focus like to be driving and having to pay attention to all the, all the curves and the road and, and whatnot. And he got all excited and he's like, yeah, it does. Like, I'm like sometimes, you know, mentally exhausted when I get done because, you know, we're doing like these 24 hour races and different things like that. And that got him going. And it was because I was curious about him. I wanted to know about him and I, I didn't just go, Oh, that's cool, man. And then just turn around and walk off. I was like, no, we need to connect here. And I, I would love to know more about you. So that's, that's one of the pieces of advice that I, I give people, especially when you're doing outreach through like chat on LinkedIn and, and, and places like that. I'm like, the one thing I'm always pointing out to people is be curious. Yes. Ask them questions about them and what they're interested in, what they're working on and what they're doing and start the conversation that way. It'll eventually move into sales. Then you can go, you know, all Glenn, Glenn Ross and be close, always close, be close, selling. Close, you know? always <laughs> like, be yeah. Close. yeah. <laughs> but no, you're totally, you're so unbelievably spot on on all of these things in terms of exactly how I teach to sell. Because what I always talk about is if I went to a restaurant and, and the server talked over all of my thinking time, telling me about the specials over and over in grand detail when I've already said, okay, please give me a minute to think about it. If they stood at the table and they were like, Seth, Seth, did I tell you about the chicken? You would leave. If I went on a first date with somebody back when I was dating and all they did the whole time, to your point, was talk about how great they are and list their CV at me, I would leave. We are trying to lure people beautifully and ethically and with integrity into our brands and into our messaging. We can't do that by intentionally alienating them right at the jump by blabbing at them. Right. The story is for the receiver. It's not yeah. for the teller, it's for the receiver. And one of the things that I that I think about all the time is my mom's a motivational speaker now retired and and I grew up really loving and also like kind of hating Tim Burton's movie Big Fish, which is about this idea of like tall tales and this one guy who tells the same giant stories his kid's whole life. And the kid is so tired of hearing all of the stories, but he doesn't realize that his dad's telling the story both for him and to give pleasure to the audience. And so often we forget that there even is an audience if we've been the audience before. And 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 so many of us are selling problems and transformation that we become annoyed 
inured to because we've already solved it for ourselves. That doesn't mean that the story doesn't have value for other people. Right? Right. Right. Yeah. The story is about the hero. You in your own personal life, you are your own hero, right? Like we're all on our hero's journey. But when you're talking about other people, the story needs to be about them. And that's how the communication needs to go across and how you need to, how most people need to change their thinking. Because if what we were talking right, about right now was commonplace, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. We'd be having a different conversation. Yeah. We would be uh, doing um, something entirely different. Yeah. And so ultimately, the story is about your customer. Your customer is their own hero. And so when you start changing your perspective and looking at it that way, you start changing your language. You just start changing how you talk to people. And that affects your messaging. And that makes people want to listen to you, makes people want to remember you. It makes you stand out in a sea of noise. It positions your brand differently. It does so many amazing things. (laughs) Yes, yes. Absolutely. Was there a change in your own perspective that led you to write your new book? Um, yeah. So I'll tell a little story. I'll try to keep it short. In 2015, I was running a web design business. We had 22 people. And one of my good friends who does international branding for GoDaddy, or he did formerly, he said, Seth, you're a storyteller. And I said, great. How the fuck do I make money being a storyteller? Like, seriously, I'm not going to go to Hollywood and start writing screenplays. I'm not writing, right. I'm not writing a book. <laughs> Little did I know. Uh, <laughs> and I just, in my mind, thought it was, you know, stories are for entertainment. And he gave me this book called Story Wars by Jonah Sachs. And I read the book and I went, well, this guy, he runs an agency and he's making money as a storyteller. There's got to be something here. And so I basically read that book and then I read more books on story and more books on story and man, Audible loved me that year because I, I think I read about f- 50 books on, on the topic alone. And from there, I started learning about neuroscience because some of the books would start talking about neuroscience and they would give little um, little bits and pieces. And I was like, well, this I, I love learning about the brain. So I read several hundred research papers. Uh, they were all extremely boring. And so I basically just tried to distill down the points that I thought... Um, were really interesting about storytelling and and include that um, mm-hmm. in the book. But through that process, I was like, holy shit, storytelling has been with us for since the beginning of time, however yep. long we've been here. Yep. We've used it to pass information. We've used it to connect with others, like you were saying in Big Fish, right? And yeah, even some of the neuroscience is really interesting about how we connect uh, when, sto- when good stories are being told. Yes. But, so it just a lot of it changed my perspective. And there was one slight change before that, that, um, that helped, which was I went to design school. I was taught design makes the world beautiful and it does, but quite often beautiful design doesn't sell unless, you know, you're Ferrari or something like that. But in a service-based business, (laughs) in a small business, having a good design, it just is really something that a customer can go, okay, these guys look legit. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of what ha- makes the sale happen is the words. And we were designing beautiful websites and winning awards. And we were going, why isn't this moving the needle? Yes. Right. And I had to kind yes. of go, wait a minute, it's words. And then you combine that with storytelling. And then my perspective started to change as I learned more about what story was. Because, like I said, I just thought it was for entertainment. And mm-hmm. I learned that I was way wrong about that. But I think a lot of other people have that perspective. They're like, 
There's stories in songs, there's stories on TV, there's stories in books. And, you know, my friends tell, tell me stories about their day or whatever, you know, my spouse or loved one or whatever tells me stories. Um, but we just, it's like, it's so, so much a part of us that it's almost like breathing. Like yes. nobody sits down and goes, breathing. I bet that's really important. No, they're just like, I breathe. Breathing. Should I breathe today? Yeah. Yeah. Did you're I just breathe like, today? Yeah. So we're always, we're always telling stories. And that's one of the things that I'm, I'm trying to get people, more people to understand is like, we are all storytellers. Yes. This is the pattern. This is the way. Yes. Um, this is the way. So, <laughs> uh, and, and I think many people have kind of lost sight of it and they don't understand, you know, the power of it and what it actually does. And so, yes. So yeah, I had, I had to make a big, 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 big change in my thinking. And, and, um, so, so I got, you know, like Prometheus, I got that fire. I wrote a book. Yeah, you did. (laughs) You did. But the thing is like, I, I love, I am a neuroscience nerd as well. And one of the things I really love is the science of emotional contagion. And you can see on fMRI and people's breathing and everything else that when they are enwrapped in a good story, storyteller and listener sync up. Yes. In a bunch of really cool, incredible ways. And we can do that through our websites. We can do that through all these other things. But I love so much that you brought up that just because it's beautiful, it doesn't mean it's emotional. Just because it's beautiful, it doesn't mean it's evocative. I can go to a really beautiful restaurant with great ambiance, but if the food's not good, I'm not going to remember the name of the restaurant the following week. So that it's got to be purposeful beauty. It's got to be beauty with intention, beauty with emotion, so that we're trying to elicit and inspire something. I just one gajillion percent agree with all of that. Now, you snuck into this as a way there, and (laughs) I'm sure you and I could pull a lot of things from The Mandalorian, but today... I have brought here, I have brought you here not to talk about any Star Wars or Disney derivative. No, no, no. We are talking original trilogy. Seth, what does any of this have to do with Star Wars, the classic original four, five, and six? In my opinion, it's it's almost that that's the only Star Wars. <laughs> like, like some of the other ones, I'm like, you're killing my childhood. Why would you do this? <laughs> um, especially the the new trilogy. But um, how does how does how does Star Wars connect to this? That is a great question. And here's the answer: Star Wars is one of the ultimate hero's journey stories. So much so that George Lucas um, worked with Joseph Campbell who basically wrote the book on storytelling to craft his story. And that was actually something I didn't even know until I started going down the the storytelling rabbit hole. I was like, who's this Joseph Campbell guy? Holy crap. He wrote all these books and did all these lectures. All the archetypes are Joseph Campbell. The whole hero's journey. The reason we call it the hero's journey is Joseph Campbell. We did a whole episode of this show about Joseph Campbell. So yes. 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 So he worked directly, uh, or Lucas sought out Joseph Campbell and worked directly with him to craft the story of Star Wars. So this Star Wars follows the ultimate hero's journey. It follows all, all the uh, landmarks along the way. Um, but what I think is even, even more important, and, and this is something that I, I kind of feel like Hollywood's getting a little off from and missing out on, is that 
there are themes that almost any person can relate to in Star Wars, right? Mm. Like being a kid who doesn't know what he's going to do with his life and wanting to do more, right? That's the theme. Having a father who's a complete asshole, right? Yeah, That's the theme. theme. <laughs> Having a mentor come into his, uh, his life and teach him how to be a better person, how to be a stronger person. That's the theme. We all ha have mentors in our lives, you know, some to greater, some to lesser degree. We've all kind of had that experience. And these themes are relatable. So it doesn't matter if what age you are, what race you are, what sex you are, you as a human can identify these things and relate to them. And that's what makes a good story. It's the same thing in the copy. It's like, you know, look for the human elements that create that connection. Yes. And yeah, Star Wars does a great job of it. And you know, like I said, it follows the entire arc. And at the, you know, in the beginning, Luke is this whiny, snivelly, uh, pansy ass, you know, moisture farmer. Um, and by the end, you know, he, he's, he's a badass with a lightsaber, you know, chopping dudes in half and saving the galaxy. But he didn't just show up that way. That's one of my issues with new Star Wars is like, I, I never felt like Ray had any challenges in her life. She just picked up a lightsaber and just started yeah. whooping ass. And I'm like, nah, where's her training? Where's, you know, where's these right. people that help her along the way? Um, you know, she had friends, granted, but like, it, it just, um, there wasn't. It wasn't as... the same earned wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. That, and... that we've come to associate with Jedi, but I, so I'm a Luke girl. I am just, it's not that I do not love my princess and my general. I freaking do always <laughs> and forever. But I, if someone asked me like, why am a lifelong Star Wars fan? The answer is two words, Luke Skywalker or two words, Mark Hamill. Either way you want to look at that. <laughs> but one of the things that I love most about Luke, you already spoke to, it makes me feel so much better about myself when I'm having challenges because Luke was such a whiny little bitch. Yes. Like, oh my God, stuck in his own story, stuck in his own spiel, running around like a whiny little hot rod. I don't want to train. I don't want to listen to Yoda. I don't want <laughs> But when I encounter resistance, there have been real times in my life where I'm also being a whiny little bitch. And I will tell myself, you're skywalkering right now. Like rise of Skywalker <laughs> to me means rise of whiny little bitches. Like, it, but, but that's how we grow is we push ourselves beyond our energetic boundaries. And by the same token, if all we ever saw of Luke was badass Jedi, unstoppable, incredible until he chooses to go away and do other things, Luke, then it wouldn't have been a journey at all. It would have just been a showing of force. So he wouldn't have been relatable. It's impossible. That's relatable. <laughs> that is relatable. That right there, when it's like, I'm not crying because life is hard. Yes, Luke. <laughs> that we understand. That we get. Yeah. If he shows up and he and he's all badass, uh, you know, from the get go, it's like, well, that's cool. But like, I don't think people would have remembered Star Wars the same way. You know, no. it's like quite often Arnold Schwarzenegger movies don't have don't quite have that hero's journey. You what? know, like he just, <laughs> you know, he just shows up and he's like, I'm Arnold. And then bad guys come and he's like, I guess I got to kill them all. And we're like, go, Arnold. Good but like, job, nobody's Arnold. like, man, Commando, that was a masterpiece of storytelling. You know, right. it, had, it had some great parts. I or... see myself in Kindergarten Cop. No, <laughs> I don't see myself in Kindergarten Cop. But I do see myself in a moisture farmer. 
who is royally confused about his place in the universe and also sometimes feels powerless in the face of his own power. That I freaking feel. Yeah. And and has a crush on his sister. So, you know, I mean, I'm an only child, so I can't speak to that one. (laughs) But, but. You know, so am I, so. <laughs> but there's also, there's there's such a relatable ensemble around him as well with their own imperfections and stressors and challenges. And, you know, Han and his never tell me the odds. Like, we've all had those days, too, where we're like, I am holding on by a thread here right now. And if you come in and throw rational fact at me, I will vomit on you to get you to leave <laughs> me alone, right? Like, we've all had that thing, too, where we're like, listen. I'm hanging on with everything I got right now. That happens in the sales process too when we come to people and they're so keenly aware of the problem that they need solved that if they feel like we're hitting it too strongly, they're like, yes, yes, thank you so much. I know what's happening now. I need you to tell me how we're (laughs) going to get out of here. Not that we probably won't. How the hell do we get out of here? And that I think is, yeah, such a beautiful version and, and idea of what story can be. And now- in a full student becoming the master scenario. Now, one of the main things when you study Joseph Campbell and you study her hero's journey, the one that they give you as the example is Luke. Mm -hmm. So how magnificent that George Lucas studied enough. Say what you will about George Lucas, but he's a good student. He studied enough. He mastered it enough that now the example he sought out is the example he's made. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. And that that also brings up an interesting point that we can relate to Star Wars, which is that um, Luke has two major mentors in his life, and they're very different from one another. Yes. Obi-Wan is, is much more stoic, right? Like he was like, yeah. I was a Jedi in the dark days long ago, you know? <laughs> um, right. and, and most people, like, they've kind of changed Yoda um, in, in more current times, but like in Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. he's 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 fucking with luke right right from the get-go he's like yoda who's that hmm i need to like climb into your backpack and start tearing up your stuff and yeah and so he's much more of a of a trickster kind of kind of mentor where he's kind of toying with luke to see what is he going to do and how is he going to react and respond and they're and so they're very different and so one of the things that when i talk to people about this is okay great you understand that the hero is that your customer is the hero they're the most important part of your story but the bigger component is what kind of mentor are you? How do you talk to your audience? Yes. Understanding that also helps you create your message when you're writing. You know, we're this way, we're that way. So we need to talk with this type of language. We need to talk either with authority or we need to talk in a joyful manner or we need to talk in a confident manner or we need to talk in a playful manner. Those things all work together. And so understanding that is, I think, really key to writing good copy and keeping it on message and on brand with who the organization is and understanding what kind of mentor they are. Yes. And where your strengths lie. I am a full on Yoda. If I went Obi-Wan on my clients, they'd get confused. Yeah. Yeah. But as a full on Yoda, if I go and look for a mentor of my own, I'm probably not going to seek out another full on Yoda. I got enough of that energy in my life. I'm going to need somebody grounding and instructive more like an Obi-Wan. Right. Yes. Like my my favorite video made for the Internet exclusively ever <laughs> is Seagull Stop It Now by Bad Lip Reading. And it just shows how much Yoda just loves terrorizing Luke. And you're right. He's always climbing on him, going in his bag. Right. Like all of these new things. Grogu 
in Mandalorian has that same, like, I don't care what you want me to do. I'm just going to do what I want energy. And that plays a part, but it's not the only part that people have to play. I absolutely freaking love that. All right. So I got two more questions for you. The first question is you, Seth Erickson, are a Jedi of storytelling. Who is the Palpatine or what is the Palpatine? What is the lurking anti-hero or negative force, the dark side, the empire of your industry? What are we rising against? I think one of the biggest problems that I see, uh, at least with like the startups that we work with, is that they go to school to learn a lot of technical knowledge, right? And with that knowledge, they use use it to build amazing things. But what they don't get is any kind of education on communications. You know, they may have taken like mm-hmm. a communications 101 class, but they they haven't been taught really the power of storytelling. So it's it's almost like they have the force, they just don't know how to utilize it. <laughs> yes. And again, it it goes back to like everything that we've been talking about before. It's like they just sit there and talk about themselves and how amazing their products are and how much, you know, AI and blockchain and all this stuff that they have and it's like most of your customers don't even understand how AI or blockchain works. Like they're, they're not going to sit down and have a conversation with you about, you know, the difference between machine learning and neural networks, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're just like, does it fix my problem? And quite often we see the startups going, it's blockchain. It's awesome. And it's like, the customer's like, why the fuck should I care? Right? Like early adopters will know about that stuff, but not, not anybody else. And so it's like, well, it's a stormtrooper. They look cool, but can they shoot for shit? No, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Um, but yeah, so I, I guess another way to put it is miscommunication, right? Mm. It's like, yeah, you're, you're saying words and and (laughs) they're coming out of your mouth, but they're just, they're saying the wrong thing. And you're not getting the message across that you think you're getting across. And so part of it is is that education piece and part of it is a misinformation piece. And so that's, you know, that's kind it's of like what shadow boxing, shadow lightsabering. It's kind of <laughs> swinging at nothing. Kind of so, like the lightsaber kid on YouTube. <laughs> Just swinging that yes! thing everywhere. Yes! <laughs> yes, but with such enthusiasm. And isn't yes. that a great, a great analogy or a great comparison for storytelling? We're doing so much of it with so much enthusiasm and so little skill. Uh, so, Seth, for people out there who need a mentor in their storytelling life or who really want to understand the neuroscience or the emotion or the skills involved, what is the best way for our listeners to start a conversation with you? I would say check out the book, uh, which is called How to Hack Humans, uh, Storytelling for Startups. Uh, It'll be coming out October 15th on Amazon, so you can get it in print and Kindle. And then in some point in the future, I will uh, probably be doing a, an unedited uh, version of an audiobook. But uh, otherwise, you can go to storyfyagency.com. Storyfy is S-T-O-R-I-F-Y agency. And I believe we'll have a, uh, a landing page that'll be at storyfyagency.com slash too legit so that people who are listening to the show can download the first chapter of the book, which really starts with the neuroscience aspect and um, helps you understand that what we've been talking about for the last <laughs> however long um, is not just a bunch of bullshit and you know some random I- idea or opinion that we've come up with, but it is actually backed by science. Heck yes. 
Seth, it has been such a crazy pleasure having you in my corner of the internet galaxy today. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Everybody else, I will be back in just one second with my final thoughts and your homework for the week. Well, hey there, listeners. So on this episode, I stated one of my more provocative stances that most memoirs make for alarmingly boring books. You have to help the reader draw connections to their own lives, actions, hopes, dreams, if you want the lessons to stick. However, there are exceptions. If you are looking for an absolutely masterful memoir, look no further than the late Carrie Fisher's work, Wishful Drinking, which is also available as a one-woman show and or The Princess Diarist, in which she shares real, heartbreaking, adorable, painful journal entries from during the filming of the original trilogy. Woof. <laughs> There's this whole part where she talks about Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill, and ugh, I'm not going to spoil it, but just tugs on the heartstrings. In these books, General Princess Battleaxe Goddess, as I cannot call her simply Carrie, it feels disrespectful, is so absolutely vulnerable and raw, but with an edge that shows that this isn't her first rodeo, and these aren't new wounds. She's bled and lived to tell the tale so damn well they made an action figure. She shows us our own rough edges by exposing hers. She laughs at herself not out of cruelty or pandering for pity, just with the dry wit of someone who's been there and the desire to share the knowledge. Your homework this week is to look at the tone of your brand's storytelling elements. The whole point of a story is to evoke emotions, right? But highly manufactured storytelling elicits a knockoff response in the reader. We want the real deal. We want their hearts and minds to sync up to our words, don't we? So as your homework this week, I want you to strip the veneer away from your stories. If you're trying extra hard to be humorous or flashy or impressive, what might it feel like just to state the facts in your own voice with your own opinions? Are you trying to wax poetic when you could just tell the truth? Are you leaning on buzzwords when your own detail is worth so much more in the hearts and minds of the listener? Hey, thanks for listening. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. Listen, we talk a lot about marketing on this show, and that's because I fully, earnestly believe that every dime and every moment we spend marketing is totally worth it unless we turn around and sabotage ourselves at the finish by refusing to sell and sell beautifully. Why? A lot of us have a misconception of what selling actually requires of us or who it needs us to be. Please give me the opportunity to help change your mind at www.nonsleazy.com. That's N-O-N-S-L-E-A-Z-Y.com. Big shout out to the fabulous dudes who helped make this show what it is. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hypable Impact. My composer, Riley Herbastio and my show artist, Francois Vigneault. They're all fabulous, and I'd be glad to introduce you. Until next week, 
just do your best. And remember, you're too legitimate to quit.